Welcome aboard this week's podcast of Dudes Dish Disney. Get ready for amazing attractions across America. Beer halls and bar rooms, banquets and beverages, a collection of characters and colleagues. No cupcakes. It's Dudes Dishing Disney. This episode of Dudes Dish Disney is sponsored by Magic Vacations. Magic Vacations. Discover the magic of travel. And now your hosts, the dudes of Dudes Dish Disney. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Joining us today is our producer and resident tech dude, Jonathan. What's going on, guys? Also joining us today is our co-host, Ryan. He is the number one Disney dude. What's happening, dudes? And I'm Congo Carl, former Jungle Cruise skipper, here to guide you through this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. How's it going, dudes? Hey, it's going. It's uh, it's going here. Another another week, uh, another day of fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm in Chicago and not Orlando, so I'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, we we're, we feel so bad for you, Ryan, that this week you're not. You're not traveling down to uh, South, but um, we do like it when you go there because you provide such wonderful content for for uh, what's new and what's exciting. But oh, uh, thanks, Carl. You know, it's all pertinent. It's all relevant. It's all very important for what we do here at Dudes. So we educate, and that's what today's about. We're uh, we're going to educate our listeners, uh, our neophytes, and even some of our pros on. Rope dropping at the Walt Disney World Resort. Carl, now, if we could talk in a third grade language for the benefit of your fellow co-hosts, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners are fine, but actually not even John, for me. If we could just talk about in third grade language for me, I would very much appreciate that. Thank you. And the other neophytes or whatever you call them. Probably okay. Also. You, you've, you've gone past Ryan's uh, very educated vocabulary there. Uh, it's, t- it's too much. It's way too much. Okay, Ryan, may I tell you about dudes get canceled. All right. (laughs) All right. So today we're going to talk about rope drop. And um, it is a technique that's employed around the parks. But before we do, uh, let me talk to you a little bit about this Disney terminology and a little bit about the history. Um, Rope drop referred to a time when the parks were open. And at the beginning for the opening days, uh, they got very busy. And there was such an event and this excitement that uh, people would literally come into Main Street and rush down Main Street USA to uh, get to their favorite attractions. So Disney over the years devised a process where people could safely enter the park and enter the various lands. Now, when this first happened, uh, people would just be open to Main Street on Town Square and a physical rope would be held by several cast members, sort of a red velvet rope like you'd see in the in a theater. And uh, they would slowly walk down Main Street um, to the end of Main Street towards the hub and then wait and pause and let more people uh, gather through Main Street till there was a bigger crowd. And then they would w- drop that rope and let people run into the hubs to the various lands and attractions. Uh, but even that became a challenge because at Walt Disney World, for example, when they did that, you know, in 1975, everyone ran to Space Mountain. 
right? And uh, they avoided the onslaught of uh, people on Main Street. But, you know, there was people tripping and pushing and falling over each other on their way to Space Mountain. So what they devised is once they got to the hub is additional cast members stood carried that rope all the way into Tomorrowland and down through Tomorrowland. So people slowly walked behind that rope and carefully got into um, their first destination, which was Space Mountain. Eventually, over the years, when things changed in the Magic Kingdom, Big Thunder opened in the 80s and then Splash Mountain, they had to put the ropes towards the entrances to uh, Liberty Square and slowly guide people down there and encourage people to walk safely, right? And so over the years, this has changed, right? Now they have early entry for a while. You're on Main Street before the lands open and, and people have sort of uh, understood the safety matters that are involved, but it was a real problem. I remember when I was in 1974 and got there at opening day on a Sunday and there was no rope drop and they made a big announcement and now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we present the Walt Disney World characters. And all the characters came out of the castle. And I literally, at 11 years old, ran and dodged through people. And I have pictures of me all alone with Mickey Mouse, Pluto, Donald Duck, because I was minutes after there. My father come running after me with a camera, right? So so they, they discouraged all the running around there and uh, came up with the rope drop. And it's so now it's a term which really means nothing more than opening time, right? When the park is open, be there right when it opens. And uh, by doing so, there's some wonderful advantages to the park. And that's really what this episode is about, is some of the advantages to participating in rope drop. So let's talk about entering the parks. Let's start with the uh, Magic Kingdom, right? And some of the strategies of rope drop. Now, the time of opening or rope drop is dictated by Disney and their parks, right? And they will publish an opening time. It's fair to say that in the case of uh, the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, if rope drop is at 8 a.m., that doesn't mean you want to be pulling into the parking lot at the ticket and transportation letter at quarter of eight, right? So you need to kind of calculate and plan backwards. And it also means if you're in a hotel, it doesn't mean you're getting on your bus at necessarily at 730 to get there for eight either, right? So let's talk a little bit about some of the strategies on timing. Um, if a rope drop is at a certain time, what would you suggest would be the time to arrive? Well, I think there's some general rules that you need to take into effect first. Uh, let's let's just say that you're smart and you're staying on Disney property because if you're staying, if you're going to Disney World, you should be staying on Disney property. Um, but let's say you're doing that. First thing that you need to know is that 30 minutes, as of right now, 30 minutes before any park opens, you have or you are entitled to early park access. Okay. So if the scheduled open time of Magic Kingdom is nine, you can get in at 8.30. That means that one hour previous to that time is when your transportation starts. Now, sometimes it may start a little earlier than that, but that's when it's guaranteed to start is an hour before the park opens to the hotel guests. So now we're saying at this point, 7.30 is when your park transportation opens. 
Now that's for the first people standing in line. If you want a rope drop, you've got to be at the place that you want to get uh, on the transportation, bare minimum 30 minutes prior to that time. So you've got to be lining up between 6.45 and 7 a.m. to get on that first Skyliner, first bus, first monorail, wherever it is that you're staying, first boat, whatever it might be. Or you could be uh, staying at Boardwalk and just, or, or Beach Club and just walk over to Epcot in five minutes. That's also right. a good question. Yeah, so let's focus on the Magic Kingdom first because yeah. I think you're, you're bringing up some good points. Every park has a unique road drop strategy, right? right. So. So let's right. focus on the Magic Kingdom. And I like, so, so what you're saying is nine o'clock is rope drop and rope drop means the park is open. The rides are operating. 8.30 would be early park access is technically rope drop. Right. Now okay. Because you can, you can, that's when you can get in and start. Now it's, it's a little awkward now because of the old ways of rope drop with the new ones with the early morning magic hours, right? Because technically all of the, all of the all of the park isn't technically open until nine, right? So they do a stage show at Magic Kingdom to rope drop stage show, but it doesn't start until nine, even though you can get in at eight thirty, right? So keep that in mind. That's a little bit of a caveat uh, uh, on that. But yeah, if you're in Magic Kingdom, you want to be on that first bus, you want to be on that first monorail from Polynesian or that first boat from Fort Wilderness, because you want to be in line for security first. Because if you get there at seven, if the park opens at 7.30 for you, or I'm sorry, if the park opens at eight o'clock for you and you get there at 7.55, you've got minimum 20, 25 minutes of security to go through. You miss rope drop. So you wanna be on that first bus to get in if you really wanna take advantage of rope drop. So especially if you have a stroller or a bag or anything like that, it's all added time. So you have to consider all of these things when you're traveling, how much extra time am I gonna need? Magic Kingdom, especially, is a total you-know-what show first thing in the morning with security. There's just people coming from everywhere. There's 60,000 people trying to enter that park. You know, it's crazy. So uh, the earlier, the better. I don't care if you're if you're a morning person, you can be in line at 6 a.m., do it. You know, grab your Joffrey's coffee and just do it um, if you really want to take advantage of World Cup. So I think that at least brings us up to actually getting in the park. So I don't know if, if you guys want to take over for like your first strategy once you're in the park, but that's that's just as important as any strategy we might lay out once you're in the park. Right. And let's lay out some of the benefits of this strategy uh, before we get into actual tactics at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, and these benefits would go for any park, right? If you're there early, uh, you're going to, and on, if you're there early, like Ryan's suggestion, and no one's around, you're going to have a great opportunity for photographs when no one's around in the backgrounds or the foregrounds, et cetera, right? And that's kind of special um, to get those family portraits and everything out of the way uh, before you're dashing off to your first adventure. Um, secondly, the overall strategy is people tend on vacation, there's two camps, people who rope drop and people who say, I'm on vacation, I'm not getting up early. I do this nine to five uh, and commutes in my big cities for my life. And I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. because I'm on vacation, right? So the advantage for people uh, getting early is there is less people. And in that first hour, hour and a half in the park for early entry and ahead of the general public, you will get to ride multiple attractions in a fraction of the time 
it would take you later on at two o'clock in the afternoon, right? So, so that's really the, the benefits of that is you're going to have some quiet times, some great photo times, and you're going to be able to position yourself uh, to take advantage of shorter lines um, and, and go on multiple success, successful uh, attractions. So, so that's the benefits. So let, yeah, let's get into some strategies. John, why don't you um, lay out two and just uh, give us an example of what your strategy at the Magic Kingdom might be for a rope drop. Yeah, so I mean, for me, uh, I'm kind of using Ryan's strategy, again, getting there as early as humanly possible um, to make sure to get the most out of the day, but definitely getting there before rope drop, ideally getting on that first bus uh, first thing in the morning to get over. Um, but yeah, once I'm in the park and once uh, kind of through and can get on rides, I'm going honestly for the e-tickets um, first, only because again, those lines tend to be a much longer line in the long run. But again, you get on those rides and you tend to maximize your day by getting through those longer lines a lot quicker. Now, again, that same concept, you thinking about it, especially with uh, Tron, Tron's totally different that that doesn't work because again, right now it's using the uh, the virtual queue where that's not helping the cause to get through that line and get through that quicker. But that's a different story that we can talk about a little bit later here. Um, but again, it's getting in there, maximizing those big e-ticket rides that tend to have the longer lines and getting through those quick because those are going to be usually 15, 20 minutes at most first thing in the morning. So do you have a pattern generally, like if you were going to sort of routinely or more often than not, where you would head for your first ride of the day? So usually um, I've always headed towards the back of the park, uh, towards uh, Big Thunder or formerly Splash Mountain, head that way. You get on those again, because those tend to be higher wait times and you get those and then you kind of start working your way back a little bit. You kind of, once you get off those, you can kind of either go towards um pirates or you can head towards haunt ma haunted mansion and kind of work your way kind of loop back around that way um big thing too is using the app and keeping an eye on what the wait times are through the app that helps i know that dictates really which way i'm heading once i'm done with those those rides ryan do you have a strategy on, on when you're going out with your family and one place you typically head for first yeah, so this is this is uh, this is why you use a travel planner, folks, right? Because there could be a big difference in just in the way that you value a dollar, right? In terms of how you might attack the parks. Because if I'm rope dropping, but I've used Genie Plus and a Lightning Lane, that could impact where I'm starting my day, right? Um, you know, but if I'm trying to maximize every dollar and I'm not spending extra money on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. Without a question of the doubt, if I if I'm doing rope drop correctly and I'm there early, I head straight back to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. It is the longest line in Disney parks, uh, uh, at least in in the Magic Kingdom. And what's really nice about it is you're really close to two of the other longest lines in the Magic Kingdom as well. So if you're truly rope dropping and you, I mean, this is. I mean this seriously, you're, this is a matter of five minutes difference in the times of when you get to the parks. Because if you're the first one in, you can get on Seven Doors Mine Train in 10 minutes. If you're the thousandth person in, which isn't that many, uh, truthfully, that's a 40 minute line all of a sudden. Now, if you're in at, at you know eight o'clock when the park opens to everybody else, that's a two hour line, right? 
So if you're in first, yeah, boom, straight to straight to mine train. If you're in late, then you can go to Space Mountain or you can go to Peter Pan from there, right? If you notice that line's already long, you can really easily pivot and do one or the other because those are the next longest lines in that park. <laughs> Generally speaking, let's assume I'm rope dropping perfectly. I'm going to go uh, uh, Seven Doors Mine Train first, and then I'm going to try and knock out all of Fantasyland in that first half an hour. So I'm going to go to Seven Doors Mine Train first. I'm going to skip over to Peter Pan next. And then I really don't care which ones I do after that because they're all going to be relatively short lines in the morning. But I do that because we talk about it all the time on this show. What's everybody's natural reaction, right? They come in and they go left, right? John already said that, right? He said, I'm going to go in, I'm going to go left, I'm going to go to Big Thunder Mountain. But if I start in Fantasyland and everybody else is going left, that means by the time I'm done with Fantasyland and I swing back around to Adventureland, now I'm behind the crowd. So now all of those rides should be lower wait times as well. So that's that's kind of how we strategize it. You know, when we're when we're going without Genie Plus, if we're going with Genie Plus and Lightning Lane, it's a whole different ballgame. But I'll save that one for my paying clients. Yeah, and and that's that's great. So and I've seen variations because I've had, um, you know, I remember what our strategy was when we had kids that were young and. The strategies that we have as a bunch of adults right now is very different, right? Um, when the kids were young, Fantasyland was the must for road drop because all of the attractions, uh, you know, especially the dark rides, could get very, very long lines very quickly and be, you know, the weight would be excruciating. So you could literally get in that early half hour and ride um, you know, Peter Pan's and ride um, Pooh and some of the other attractions, you know. Ride Pooh? Yeah, you could ride Pooh. But, you know, Dumbo was another one, too. That would get a long, long line, right? Well, you know, Dumbo's Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> Carl doesn't like potty humor, but I got to throw it in there anyway. All right. So let's let's do this. So when my kids were young, what we used to do is start really early and go to Fantasyland and we'd start off with the dark rides and the other uh, load rides, which were like Dumbo, the carousel, et cetera. Those were excruciatingly long lines, too. So we would get those all out of the way in the first half hour. They'd be satisfied. And then we could move on to bigger and better things. Uh, as as the crowd got a little older um, and people went left, I agree with John. We were going right to the mountains, right? Get those big mountains out of the way. And sometimes you could do that combining maybe with the old fast pass or uh, the genie plus and you would get a double ride right you could get there early rope drop on it and then oops your app would pop up with another ride and you do a repeat uh, now i find you know the old tactic i had was go left in Adventureland first and do that and now that really pays off for rope drop too because the jungle cruise gets excruciatingly long in their lines and so does Pirates. Pirates used to be a constant walk-on, but now there's a line there all the time. So um, if you rope dropped Adventureland, you can get through, you know, the three or four attractions in there in the first half hour, 40 minutes, and be at the mountains in the back of uh, Frontierland about 10 minutes after normal park open. So you could time one of your uh, you could time one of your lightning lanes for them or just stand in line for a half hour line, which isn't bad for those attractions, right? 
and uh, before you know it, you're two hours into the park and you've covered half of the park, right? So yeah, it's changed. I think it's the, the way the crowds use it change. And you're right, Ryan, it depends on your group and your priorities as a group. What, what are your must sees, right? And must do's. I think it's uh, the moral of this story right, up, right off the bat, especially at Magic Kingdom, because there are so many attractions and because it is by far the, the most popular of the parks is that rope drop is different for everyone. And you really need to customize it and go in with a plan that fits your needs. We all talked about this right away from, from a perspective of, Carl talked about like, yeah, get in and get good pictures. But then we talked about all the different rides. But if you're not a ride person and you just enjoy, enjoy the other attractions, rope dropping is that perfect time to get those pictures. Or it's that perfect time to go you know, stand in line for whatever your favorite attraction is at the park. You want to see Country Bear Jamboree and 12 times in one day, you know, get an early start and go do that. What, you know, whatever it might be, you know, there are advantages to everybody's itinerary using rope drop. Um, the only person who doesn't benefit from rope drop is the person who does not like to wake up early. That's it. That's the only person that doesn't benefit from rope drop. Now, the tactics for rope dropping, if you are not a guest on property, are a little bit different, right? Because now you're faced with the challenge of going to the parking lot and taking the ticket and transportation, either the ferry or the monorail over. And that strategy is a little bit different because you know you're going to have all the resort guests in front of you. You're still going to try to get there early to get some maximize some value out of your day. But understanding that if you applied this strategy and you were an external um, guest not on property and you try to get up early, you'd find yourself waiting to get into the parking lot because the parking lot doesn't open but a certain time and the ticket and transportation center opens at a certain time to get you across. So they're giving everyone who's on property that half hour advantage and you're not going to be able to get, it's going to be very difficult for you to get right at the opening, the 9 a.m. opening because uh, you're being held back by the ticket and transportation center. So what I would say to this is, you know, Ryan outlaid, you know, some of the transportation methods to get there. Uh, whether you're taking the monorail, um, a bus, a minivan, uh, one of the launches from the resort or the ferry from the ticket transportation, or if you're, you know, staying at one of the hotels that you can walk to the Magic Kingdom, consult your MVP. You know, consult your MVP because each one of those is slightly different and we're going to lay out a different plan for you on how to maximize and execute rope drop at the Magic Kingdom. And I think Magic Kingdom is the most challenging of them all. So I'm glad we're talking about that first because those complexities are there. Uh, but that first hour is amazing how much you can get done. Um, and then, th then your day is more relaxed, right? You've accomplished the must-sees, the must-dos. Uh, the kids have smiles on their face, then you can probably go to a more leisurely pace. And again, the touring plans that we can lay out for you will strategize on what your must-see, much-do, and, you know, in a hot day, where are you going to go get some shade versus where you're going to stand in line, how to use the special uh, ticketing things for things like Tron. Um, so there's a lot that goes into these thoughts. It really, uh, if you're going to attack the parks, it really is like taking the beaches of Normandy these days. <laughs> it's really interesting, too, I'm just thinking about, right, is that uh, 
uh, when we're not putting our guns on our backs and our helmets on uh, attacking the park. Um, you know, it's really interesting that, you know, I said Fantasyland, Carl, you said at one point in your life, Fantasyland, you guys both kind of lean towards Frontierland or, um, or Adventureland and then Frontierland, right? Nobody said anything about Tomorrowland, right? Which is probably fair because the only thing you would rope drop in Tomorrowland would be Space Mountain if you weren't large like me and John or old like Carl, right? And, and have bad backs, right? So, um, <laughs> but when Tron is no longer a virtual queue, that's going to be another place that you could vote rope drop and you could actually see a benefit no matter where you went in the park. I, I see, I mean, I see that as a major game changer. I know in the past, Carl's talked about basically, um, I forget the term you use, but basically it's people eating up eater. the crowd. Yeah, peep, yeah, it's a people eater. It's, Tron is going to be a 100% people eater. The, the size of that queue is massive. You're going to see a couple couple thousand plus being eaten up in that queue that's going to make a that's going to make a huge change to how you strategize and where you go once that virtual queue is gone now again we could be seeing this virtual queue last for quite a long time when you look at some of the previous rides that have it especially with um galaxy's edge with guardians of the galaxy over at epcot how that all works they've been in place for quite a while so there's no indication that that's gonna that that's gonna go away for a long time, but when it does, it's gonna be a game changer. It really is. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I would like to throw this opportunity out that I think we should toss a poll up on our Instagram story and another one on Twitter, with you know where do you want a rope drop and put all four lands out there, and I would love to hear who who starts where from our listeners. That's a great idea. That's yeah. a great idea. So let's move on to rope dropping at Epcot. Now, this is a different experience, right, dudes? Yeah, this is a, a much different experience, uh, especially if you're Carl, who's already salivating uh, for a drink before we even get into the park. Yes, let's, let's rope drop Wakaba Del Tequila. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I mean, don't we do that usually when the we, three of us are together? We, we have done it. We have done it. I know at least Carl and I have done it. I think you we have. have. Yep. Oh, no, it's been all three of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, so there's first thing we'll point out is there's two different ways to do this, right? You can rope drop from the main entrance. And you can also rope drop from the International Gateway. And it's a, both are very different experiences. What's it like from the main gate? Because I don't go to the main gate at all. <laughs> I was going to say, when have we ever seen you over that side of the park? It's been a hot minute for me, too. Um, it's been a couple of years since I've entered Epcot through the main gate. And I think the last time I did, only because my wife and I were staying at the Contemporary. So it made, made sense to do it that way. Um, but otherwise, I, I much preferred to come in staying at Yacht Club or Beach Club or, or, or over the, over in that area. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's go back to the basic principles, right? Like make sure you pay attention to when your transportation starts, park opens, 30 minute early park entry. Um, John, I think maybe it was you that were with me and we got in there once and like we actually had to wait like legit rope drop. Maybe it wasn't you, but we, we actually waited like over by Guardians of the Galaxy and we literally had to wait for them to let us go through because we were there early enough. That's I, I ideal. Think it, 
I think it was you and I way back uh, during the COVID days. I think. Yeah, it was. I think hot. that was. Yeah, we were kind so of just, just like, whoa, this is be very prepared surprising. because you do stand right in the sun uh, when you're at Epcot entering through the main gate. But um, and even at seven thirty in the morning, if it's July, that sun sucks. Um, but anyway, so um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different strategies for rope dropping at Epcot, and again, it all depends on what you're into, right? Now, for the most part, you're still going to rope drop attractions. Uh, the biggest reason being is even though we rope drop uh, La Cava del Tequila, the World Showcase doesn't always open at the same time as the rest of the park. Isn't so it, that, if I remember correctly, isn't it? It's usually like a couple. It's usually like 11 a.m. give or take that it usually opens most of the the booths, the pavilions, all that. Especially yeah. So that's it, usually that, traditionally most it, it has been, and there's been some exceptions in recent years, right? There's some exceptions that we can get into those too. Um, I know personally, my last experience was going in International Gateway, staying at one of the hotels, could get in a half hour early. When you walk through the gates and pass security in the dates with your tickets, there's actually someone asking you which hotel you're staying at uh, to get in that early, right? Yeah. Kind of walk by, they have a clipboard. But I had a, a 9 a.m. first setting breakfast at La Creperie and um, basically ate in an empty restaurant at some lovely champagne at nine o'clock. And after breakfast, walked out and walked right on to Remy with no wait. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? It's two ways that you're going to rope drop. Unfortunately for us drinkers, you're not going to rope drop drinking around the world. That's just not going to happen. I mean, it is, but you're going to wait longer than everybody else. It's not the official rope drop. It's an hour later, basically, right? So it's got its own rope drop. But the attractions are open and the restaurants are open. So if you're somebody who likes to go to Epcot for the food, there's certainly a way to do that. And if you're somebody who likes to go for the attractions, there's a way to do that as well. Personally, when I go in for Epcot, the very first thing I hit regardless of what the longest wait time of the day is, is test track. And I'll tell you the biggest reason why I rope drop test track is A, it's always a long line, even if it's not the longest in the parks, it's always a long line. And B, test track tends to break down in the afternoon <laughs> and sometimes it doesn't come back. So if it's open in the morning, go get on test track or you might miss it. That's kind of my, my rope drop strategy. Epcot is so large, that there's no easy way. It's not like you can go to Fantasyland, right? And boom, 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 you do five rides. You go to Epcot and it's like, go to a ride, walk 10 minutes, go to a ride, walk 10 minutes, go to a ride, walk 10 minutes. So that's, you know, that's that's part of that strategy for me. But at least from there, you can do the test track, you can do Frozen if, it's so, if you're so inclined to do so. And then you can also do, you can double back and go to Remy. Or you can do test track to Remy to Frozen and knock out a couple of those longer lines early in the day. Yeah, it's a great strategy. And I will, um, I'll give you a challenge on rope dropping, uh, drinking around the world, because I think the last time I did it was closest, right? So I had a 9.15 breakfast uh, in France and the France restaurants were open for breakfast and they serve champagne, coffee, coffee drinks, uh, Alcohol, wine. You put some champagne in your coffee? I did. Well, you, could, you have cider flights, everything for breakfast. And around, a lot of people don't know this, the 10, 11 is the official time. The Rose and Crown opens at 1030. 
So you get right from your breakfast at, you know, 9.15 to an hour, you walk over there. Again, no one's around, great pitchers. 10.30, you're right at the opening doors of the Rose and Crown. You have your first, and now you've had a, one or two there. It's 11 o'clock, everything's open. So you've got a head start on two countries. You're off to Canada and over to Mexico where you should properly begin. We so, call that row cropping with Aaron. That's what we call that, <laughs> row cropping with our, our, our buddy Aaron. <laughs> So um, yeah, so there is definitely a potential to do that. There's even more details that we give some of our clients about tips and tricks on that. But but I agree, there is two different strategies. If you're going to the front of the park, it's different uh, than if you're going to uh, World Showcase. I would and, like to point out, notice what we didn't say when you come in through the front of the park, though. We didn't say go to Spaceship Earth. And we didn't say going to living with the, with, living with the land. And we didn't say going to the seas. And... For those who want to know why, it's because those rides are very busy first thing in the morning. But if you go back later, they're empty. They're five minute, time minute walk-ons. So you do not need to do those early in the morning because they will be super low wait times later in the day. Soren is the only exception to that rule, but there are several points throughout the day where if you're watching wait times, Soren's wait time will dip below 35 minutes. And it's very easy to go get on. Now, what's coming back at Epcot, which also could be if you have young uh, kids who are big fans of the princesses, uh, you could strategize what's coming back is breakfast at uh, in Norway at Eskerhaus. So that character breakfast will, again, be before the official 11 a.m. opening. And you can literally walk out of that breakfast at a few minutes before 11 and walk right on to Frozen, right? So now, if I'm sorry, Carl. Now I will say that is that is a cool experience. Again, I know it's frozen. I know it's all that, but it's a decent breakfast and get right on the ride right away and save yourself some time waiting in line. It's worth doing it. It really is, especially if you've got you got one that love those all characters. the princesses that way. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, there's a, a couple different strategies to get you into the park early to take advantage of no lines. Um, which which kind of brings us on to the next part. And this one's gotten very complex lately with rope drop strategies, and that's Hollywood Studios. Yeah, I don't want to take this one. Uh, I I struggle with this one every time I go. This this one is a, this one is definitely a challenge. Again, this one this one gets a little more challenging now because there's no more virtual queue for uh, Rise of Resistance, but. Um, this one has a lot in the play too, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. This is the one where this can kind of dictate really where you want to go for the day and how you want to start your day. Um, especially when you get in the park, most people are going to head right towards the galaxy's edge and get on that Rise of the Resistance because that that is definitely the true big e-ticket in uh, Hollywood Studios. And that line can be a very long line uh, some days. Um, but that one, I mean, it's worth doing. But again, some of the other strategy with that one too is go to the least areas of the park. Go try to hit some of the other big uh, e-tickets like um, everyone knows my favorite, uh, Tower of Terror or uh, Rock and Roller Coaster. Because um, those lines, again, those ones pick up uh, pretty uh, long queues as well. But that's kind of where you're kind of at because you've got the either or method. It really depends on if you're a Star Wars fan or not. For that one. So here, 
here's the thing I've learned rope dropping Hollywood studios. I've learned there are a lot of people that are big Star Wars fans like me, but I've also learned there's a lot of people who aren't. And even though that's the main attraction now in that park, Slinky Dog Dash has just as big of an opening line to start the park as Rise of Resistance does. If you are traveling with kids who are not Star Wars fans, Slinky Dog is the, is the other longest line in that park. So it's a real challenge to determine which one you want to go to. And this is one of the reasons why I tell every single person I book a trip for, buy the Lightning Lane, because then at least you make your decision for you, right? At least you know. Uh, if I'm buying a Lightning Lane for Rise of Resistance, then I rope drop Slinky Dog Dash. If I buy it for Slinky Dog Dash, I rope drop Rise of Resistance. Um, truthfully, I, I don't entirely agree with John. I don't do Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster anymore. Uh, I find that those are very quality rides that actually don't have huge wait times anymore, but that's only because of the newer stuff that's there, like Rise, like Slinky Dog, but also Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, right? Those are all big people eaters, as Carl likes to say. So Hollywood Studios has kind of done it right in that perspective. And especially when you consider the size of the park, right? It's not the largest park at Disney by any stretch of the imagination, yet it's jam-packed with high-quality attractions. And because of that, there's a lot of it, the crowds get spread really pretty evenly throughout the park. Um, so one thing I tell people is there really is no bad strategy in this park. You know, the only bad strategy is if you take your favorite and you ignore it. That's the only bad strategy. You know, that otherwise you can make anything work. So in the evolution of Hollywood Studios, I've noticed some changes too. One thing that Hollywood Studios has done consistently at rope drop opening that the other parks haven't is basically 100% of the rides and attractions are open right at, right at opening, okay? Yep. So that can absorb the masses um, very well, but then it leads to the challenge of where do I go first, as, as you both pointed out. Secondly, um, the entrance to Hollywood Studio is the smallest entrance of any of the parks. Uh, so if you think you need to be there 60 minutes early on a, you know, for rope drop to get in through security and get ready, and you all, but it's a peak time of the year, spring break, uh, holidays, I'd say get there 90 minutes early. Because it you want to be the first person in line for transportation. Right. Yeah. So that's the difference I see in Hollywood studios is that you, if it's a busy time of the year, you really have that extra half hour there because it's got such a popular following right now. It's, it's high demand, but it's a small, physically small park. The capacity is, is fine. It's increased and that helps, but uh, you know, everything is basically a ride or an attraction that, uh, is sort of rotational in in um, in getting people on. It's not like the Haunted Mansion or the People Mover, where it's always moving and people are getting on that uh, that walkway and, and on it automatically. It's a it's a load and reload. Most all of the attractions are right, or there's many phases to a queue, and so that takes a little bit longer, and that's what contributes to the uh, to the crowds. But uh, again. You know, this is where you work with your MVP and we ask you a few simple questions about what's important to you and we can help customize your day there and maximize rope drop. 
Um, or, or you can just rope drop it on this cantina and be happy. That, that's that's wow. the way you do it. Forget everything else. Just go get your bloody raincore and get your day going. We've done that too, haven't we? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, all right. And last, certainly not least, um, the rope drop park that was everybody's early morning favorite for many, many years for a lot of different reasons, the Animal Kingdom. So let's talk about some tactics and strategies to rope drop uh, Walt Disney World's fourth park. There's only two. There's yeah. only two in my mind. There's there's two very basic principles to rope dropping. Um, the first of which I'll take, which is one of my favorites, which is going to um, the, the Mount Kilimanjaro Safari. That's, that's my favorite of the rope drops. Uh, it's not that it's the longest line. It's just that you're going to get the most value out of the ride at that time of day. Um, rope dropping Animal Kingdom means that you're there at like 6.30 in the morning. And if you go straight to uh, the safari, you're on the safari by 7, 7.10, 7.15, whatever it might be in the morning, which means you're running around as they're feeding the animals in the safari. So all the animals are awake, they're all active, and they're all moving around. It is. Have, have, sorry, Ryan, have either of you, speaking of that, have either of you actually seen the line active and roaring at that time yes. of day getting on yes. that it is one yes. of the coolest experiences to see because it's so rare we actually had a side sidetrack conversation here but we actually had on our most recent trip uh i was with uh, uh christy jobert uh, a fellow mvp and her husband darren and we went on uh mount kilimanjaro i i have to say it was four o'clock four thirty, something like that and um, the line was actually out active and roaring in the afternoon. And oh, even wow. the driver was like, holy, you know, like, can't believe that this is happening because it is super rare. You only typically see it as the first thing in the morning, you know? So that's, it is a good point, John. That's like the number one reason why you rope drop um, Mount Kilimanjaro Safari. And that is, you know, historically the park was the earliest of all parks. And that's what people did. They went and ran right there, knowing that the animals were most active in the morning. They've just come in into their habitats. And, uh, and, and that was always uh, the headliner attraction until one day they created Avatar and Pandora. And then rope dropping took on a whole new strategy. Well, that one, I mean, that one's just, that one created the true craziness of the modern day rope drop era of Disney um especially with the lines that that one ride um flight of passage created you're looking even today you're looking at a couple hours minimum for that ride and we're what now five what is it five seven years out ish almost for that one give or take I think, I think it was 2017 right yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're still getting you're still getting those incredible long queues for that ride this far out. I mean, at, at, at when that ride opened, you were getting six plus hour queues for that ride. I mean, it was crazy. People were literally sprinting and pushing to get to the front of rope drop to get into that line to get to try to secure the best you could to get into that ride because the rope drop that line and you're you would be at the end somewhere in Africa near the Dawa bar to get on it, right? Not even in the same land. 
Not necessarily the worst thing to be near a Dallow Bar, though. No, no, no. <laughs> but uh, yes, quite quite a different experience, right? So there, those are your two choices. Uh, and again, we should talk another time about strategies and other technologies to use to mitigate those weights. But uh, you basically have those the, those uh, two things. The animal kingdom used to have, and I haven't been there early in a long time. Maybe you guys can validate. They used to have a wonderful opening ceremony. Do they still do that? I it's been a, it's been a while since I've been there as well. And I don't recall seeing anything. I mean, you get the occasional special thing here and there for special events, but I don't think they really do anything really out of the ordinary anymore. It's, yeah, they just the it was the music. And it's go. It was the opening, the music, the call, the theme song from Lion King, and and then uh, you know the characters were coming out. And uh, and I remember that distinctly. That it's, talk about getting your blood flowing when you're they're blasting that music um, out across there, and you know you're running to go see, you know, giraffes and zebras and lions and rhinos and elephants. Oh my! So <laughs> so, um, so there's there's some things. Now look at those are the four parks. That's the strategy. It is a different strategy if you're staying on property versus off property. We've addressed that. Um, and those are where people doing, I don't really see people rope dropping Typhoon Lagoon or Blizzard Beach or even Disney Springs, maybe Raglan Road, but I don't see people rope dropping other attractions at Walt Disney World. Am I wrong? I did actually see people rope drop Blizzard Beach one time, and that's because it was during the pandemic when you weren't guaranteed to get in. <laughs> so it was first come, first serve, and it was the only one that didn't have a park pass reservation system. Beyond that, no, I don't see anybody rope dropping it. Although, you know, you do get people that try to show up to grab those chairs or they try to grab those uh, leftover cabanas. You know, that's not banana cabanas, Carl, just regular cabanas. And, and they do try to grab those. So, you know, that's might be a reason still to rope drop one of them. Well, you know what I say, you grab your cabana and I'll grab mine. You can keep your cabana, sir. Yeah, I, I don't want yours. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> so uh, I think we've covered that quite nicely. Gentlemen, thank you again for your insight, your knowledge, and your assistance. And uh, we hope you, all our listeners, pay attention to the end of our show now. We list out all our social media. And we'll put up those suggested uh, inquiries on where you like to start rope dropping on the Magic Kingdom. And we're very interested to see your response. And uh, we'll take a look out for that in the next couple of days. And until we meet again, later, dudes. Later, dudes. Later, dudes. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dudes Dish Disney. Please check us out on social media. On Facebook at Dudes Dish Disney. On Instagram at Dudes Dish Disney. On Twitter at Disney underscore Dish. Please visit our sponsor, Magic Vacations, at magicvacations.net. More than just a travel agency, Magic Vacations has over 60 Magic Vacation planners committed to bringing you white glove concierge service. Using a Magic Vacation Planner allows you to spend more time making memories and less time worrying about the details. For all of your Disney, Universal, Cruise, and Global travel, go to magicvacations.net. Magic Vacations. Discover the magic of travel. <laughs>